Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today we are here with Scott Yaffe of Yaffe Communications. And this is our public relations specific episode. I'm so excited, Scott, to talk to you today because of your history with the San Diego Chargers. Um, you and I met actually when we, Cali Comfort Barbecue, we catered for the Chargers. We did a uh, one of the Friday practices. So Friday practice, um, after practice, we fed about 150 players, coaches, uh, front office execs. Uh, John Spanos was kind enough to get us in on that catering gig, which getting a check from the NFL is one of our crowning achievements as a small as a small business. Um, but we met there and we've kept in touch and I've been watching what you've been doing uh, with your communications firm and your PR firm on LinkedIn, um, on Instagram on Twitter and that led us to say hey let's uh, let's sit down and uh, and talk and see what see what you're doing in 2020 and, and and beyond so welcome to digital hospitality thanks man I'm excited to be here it's uh, it's funny it's one of the uh, few times I've heard somebody say they're excited to talk about public relations <laughs> <laughs> well I'm a, I'm a strange strange bird somebody that's in Spring Valley that's trying to turn our business into a media company I think we've successfully done the turn now coming into 2020 and one of the things that we want to do every single week is teach other business owners how they can do the exact same thing because there's something powerful that happens once you start thinking and acting as a small business, as a media company, because of what's happening with the cell phone, what's happening digitally. I mean, literally in 2017, on June 29th, 2017, or 2007, excuse me, the reason I know that date, June 29th, 2007, that's when the first iPhone came out. I know that date because my son was born on June 29th, 2017. So I was looking up, well, what's happened on this day? And sure enough, 10 years earlier was the day that the first iPhone came out. And if you think back from 2007 to where we are in 2020, what we've done as a business, as a small business to change and adapt with marketing, public relations, um, our brand, and doing it all digitally to where we are now in 2020, um, it's not just changed for us. It's even changed for NFL franchises. Hundred percent. I mean, you have the you have that landscape now. I mean, for, you, you never had this landscape before. You could you know share your own message. You, know, you always had to rely on other people. Yeah. Uh, you know now if you have the power and the tools and the know how to do it, you can tell your own story. I think that's the that's the the powerful thing with what's happening with publishing now on the internet. And before the podcast started, we were talking about your training. Literally, you, your training, professional training in public relations, you said that a lot of the things that they asked you to do literally weren't applicable to your job. And that was back then. Yeah, that was, I mean, that goes back to college. I mean, I had to take, a, I was a journalism major and thought I'd someday be a sports broadcaster or a, you know, a news anchor or whatever. Uh, but they had to take a public relations class. And I just remember never understanding any of the stuff they had us doing, putting media <laughs> kits together and all this stuff. It just, it never really resonated and made any sense and uh, you know it took me till probably halfway through my chargers career till the light finally kind of went on i was like oh wow like i get it now like i understand what we're doing and when 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 exactly was that was there a certain moment that happened yeah we kind of did you know there was a, there was an aha moment you know because i think um as i was telling you this earlier is when you get into sports pr you kind of get into this um just like routine you know it's when you're a for for example an nfl guy you're used to you get the game release goes out, the stats go out. What day? What day are we talking uh, Monday, about? Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is early in the week is when your game release, you send out the stats. And who uh, are you sending these out to? All the local media. Okay. So I mean you write the press release, go to the local media, it's going to the team that you're playing, it's going and by to the local national media. We're talking about TV, TV, print, print radio. radio. So the guys who are coming out later in the week to interview. So people players. that have that are that are credentialed. Correct. So, so credentialed media are getting those releases. Correct. They're okay. getting those releases or getting those stats. And the idea is that they're getting them. So when they come out to talk to the players later in the week after practice, they've got some notes and some things that they can refer to to ask questions. That are actually team generated. Correct. Correct. And, and yes, t well, usually, <laughs> which, which correct. usually yeah. correct. Right. And uh, but pertinent to the game. And, but trust me, anytime there was something correct, I, I your, your friend John used he was he was good about correcting me if I had any mistakes. Oh, yeah. There, so. <laughs> but no, just kidding. But the um, no. So that's what you did. So you'd put that information out but but you get into that routine you're putting out the release the stats you get the quarterback and the head coach to the podium but where that kind of clicked in we were this was probably mid-2000s one of the years we were expected to get off to a good start and for whatever reason it seemed like year after year we just we never got off to a good start 
we came back, we lost a game in Denver. I think we were two and four, two and five at the time. And while we were flying home, just trying to, from, uh, from Denver, just trying to think of, okay, what can we do differently? You know, we've set these expectations that we're going to be good. We're, you know, we've struggled out of the gate again. So rather than um, just waiting for the media to come out on Monday to talk to the coach or on Wednesday to talk to the players, you know, to, we thought let's instead of being reactive to the situation, let's be proactive. So I put a plan together where we got um, a series of different players. And over Monday and Tuesday, we took guys out and we went in studio to the local TV stations and said, you know what, let's own the fact that we're two and four and let's be proactive and go out and, and tell our story um, and, and, and maybe make it easier on those guys so they don't have to work so hard. Let's go out. Let's, you know, bring something to them instead of having to put a three or four minute newscast together. Let's go out and put our players there and let's, you know, be upfront and honest. Say, look, you know, we're not happy with where we are. We're disappointed. We're two and four. But we're going to come back. We're going to work our tails off and we're going to get this thing turned around and get it right. And, you know, you have a chance to control your own message when you do it that way. And instead of, you know, us not doing that, there would have been a, a newscast and the, you know, new sports anchor, whoever that was, would Scott have summarized Kaplan. Scott Kaplan, <laughs> Paul Rudy, you know, Ben Higgins. They, you know, it would have been their job to summarize how the team was doing. Uh-huh. But instead, you know, you have a chance to go out and, and, and tell your message and tell the public and the viewers, look, we're, we're pissed that we're two and four. Yeah. And, and damn it, we're not happy with it. We're going to get cut back to work on Wednesday and practice and, and meetings, and we're going to turn around and go out and win. It turned out to be um, other than one station that somehow got missed because the guy driving him there, this must have been pre-Google Maps, couldn't find the station and missed the <laughs> segment. But and all in all, I think it was really well received. And that was the first time I think it really kind of clicked in and I understood that you could control the message and mm -hmm. you didn't have to be reactionary. And what year, around what year was that? Like I said, this has got to be, I'd have to go back and look, but I'd say it's like around the mid 2000s. I'd say around 2006, 2007. Right around that iPhone release time. Yeah, it was around that time, but it was around like it was in that period, that, that era we went through with the team where we were really good. Sure. You know, and expectations were high and it was just came out to be one of those years where we just, we stumbled out of the gate. I mean, I think that's one of the most fascinating things just from a digital hospitality perspective is that you're talking about being we talk about it all the time in the restaurant as being proactive as opposed to reactive, sure. and especially when you're controlling your messaging and your branding. But when you're talking about around 2007, this shift starts to happen. And I'm curious, how many PR executives were are, are on a team? So, uh, Like for us in San Diego, there was four. We four. had a four-man team. Yeah. Okay, four-man team. And then how many in marketing? Um, it was probably double that. Double that, yeah. so about eight in marketing. Yeah. And then when did teams, the Chargers in specifically, start hiring for digital? Well, we actually, so originally digital and website was run through our department. And, okay, and through it was, PR. Yeah, PR. Well, we had a, a guy in our department. Fascinating. One, two people, actually, in our department. So it was the web were, developer. Yeah, the web developer, and then we had a web writer. And, and we didn't the even have... the web developer, have, did, was, there, was that a skeleton of... Did the NFL say, these are the standards, and then you have to go off of them? Originally, did you did your own, and then they ultimately... What's the word I'm looking for? They're not streamlined, but they uh, went with a universal okay. um, platform. So, all the so it was like, word, like a, an NFL WordPress. Exactly. So yeah. essentially, this is the page landing pages... You have to have, you're required to have. Yes, and then you provide the content. Yeah. So we had a guy basically that managed the website, and then we had a, a full-time web writer. Mm -hmm. And we never even had anybody, for a long time, we didn't even have a video team. Like, for years, I actually did a lot of our video. Crazy, isn't uh, it? Yeah, it was, is but it? it was fun, though. I loved it. Yeah. I would do stand-ups. You know, I'd do interviews with guys. But think about how much and, you learned by doing that. Oh, yeah. Right? So, well, I finally, that that was the first time I was like, my journalism degree became a thing. <laughs> you know, writing right? scripts and doing voiceovers yeah. and putting baggage together. The first time I did it, actually, I went to the, they sent me to the Pro Bowl in, I think it was around 2004 or five. We had like seven or eight guys go. So they sent me out there to do stories. And I did a whole week of stories. I took Sean, um, uh, I took Merriman up to um, Pipeline and we did mm -hmm. a story up there. And uh, we just did a bunch of fun. And Hannick Milligan was on the team. I actually did a story going around all the Pro Bowlers asking if they knew who Hannick Milligan was. Really? Yeah. That's so great. It, so you're capturing this video content, and then where does it go? Uh, we ran it on Chargers.com. So you ran it on Chargers.com. Yeah, so we, I put packages. I would. Be, I was out in Hawaii, and I'd just film them during the day with the guys, go back to my hotel room. And this is obviously pre-social media, the proliferation of yeah, there was Facebook, no. YouTube, and every, every yeah. other thing that we all know that you have to be yeah, on. Yeah, this now. was strictly on Chargers.com. Yeah. It went no further than that. Do you remember when you first got a Twitter account? Uh, God, I, I don't know. I'd have to go look and see what time or 
on my account. Probably 2011, I think, is when it was. And then when did the Chargers get their first Twitter account? Oh, that's a good question. I got yeah. no idea. Probably, who, who was probably before. Because that was, that was the digital side? Well, by then I mean, we had, I'm, I'm so curious, because I've never even thought about this until we yeah. had this conversation. But at some point, teams start to understand we have to start investing in digital. Well, we did. They ultimately, they created a digital media department, mm-hmm. which became a Which totally became, separate they're responsible yeah. for social media. Everything. Handle the website, social media. Ultimately, they actually took over uh, filming and producing the te- team's TV shows. Okay. So like the last couple of years, like Jordan Bean and yep. Ricky Henney, you saw them on the, oh, yeah, the for Charger sure. shows. Absolutely. And, um, and they still do a lot of that to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, I, you know, like Obviously, I'm not there anymore, but I know they, they work with a local TV station in L.A., uh, but I do use some of their own people mm-hmm. uh, that are part of those shows. Isn't it interesting just to see what happened in the last decade? Yeah. Well, it's everything's changed. The entire landscape of the uh, the business, the industry, and just like you know, like say, controlling the message, controlling and, the message. Uh, plus, it's cost too. I mean, it's sure. it's a lot. You know, it becomes cost. You know, as you know from being it, it's expensive to create and produce and mm-hmm. distribute. Um, you know, content, TV podcast content, whatever. So, I mean, if you control some of those costs and bring it in-house, save money on talent, if you use your own people, um, you know, if you have your own in-house. Like we built a studio when we were here at Chargers Park, and we used to do When was that? Around what year? That studio was, it was only built pretty close to before we left. So, I mean, that studio probably didn't get built till 2013 or 14, if I was to guess. And that's probably the same time other teams in the NFL were doing it? Um, no, everybody kind of did it differently. Did I mean, there's some teams that are a lot more sophisticated than others, like the Patriots, I always remembered. You know, oh, they're good at they're, filming? Yeah, they're good at, imagine that, right? Ironic. <laughs> I got a great filming story of the Patriots. I'd love so. to hear it. Let's hear it. So we're at the, this is great, because you, you heard this just came out recently with the, um, with the guy that got busted, yeah, with the Cincinnati the Bengals, Cincinnati game, yeah. This story never, our guys never wanted to push push this thing, but so we're back. We go to the AFC Championship game in 2007. This was when Rivers had his knee done. Yep. So we even walk through at the stadium the day before the game. So we pull up on Saturday for the walkthrough. It's not open to the media at all. Like no media is allowed there. So we pull up under the tunnel at Gillette Stadium. We get off the bus and Phillips walk in our locker room, and there's a camera crew there. I mean, you got a photo, you got a camera guy, you got a light, you got a boom mic, and we're like, this ain't open to the public. And they're walking with him to the locker room, and the camera guy's holding the camera down at his knee level, and he's walking along. No way. So I run up to him. I have my like, whoa, what are, who are, what are you guys doing? Who, there, there's no media. He goes, the guy's answer, I'll never forget this. He goes, we're Kraft TV. We're an internal television. No way. Media. That's the same Come craft on. TV that craft you heard TV? about. That's what they call themselves. Now, could you imagine had it been the other way around? We had a playoff game here in San Diego, and they show up at the queue, get off the bus, and they're walking down the tunnel, and you got a camera crew and Belichick goes, hey, who are you guys? We're with Spanos TV. Come on. Could you imagine the uproar? Had, had that been the other way around, but our guys never, for whatever reason, they never. So how does that? How, how does that? How does that work? Would, so I finally just told so him, like, you, "You guys got to get the hell out of here! Like you're not allowed. It's closed." Like so, you, you saw it. Oh, you I asked the guy. Yeah. And I then who do you him. go? Who do you go to? I you go to name, Bill I Johnson. Just told him to get the hell out of there. I no, I just took charge of it. And you just said told get him to get lost. Yeah, our guys saw. But it. as far as like reporting it to the league, because what the Bengals did, right? They reported it. To the league. Well, and I mean, and they had it on film. That's what I thought we should have done. I thought right? we should have made a bigger deal, but our guys, the administration, whatever, didn't want to. Didn't want to make a fuss of it. Yeah, exactly. So just that's crazy. I but can't yeah, that happened. That. I mean, that happened to us. They're this literally was filmed, they're filming this injury. Years. Yeah. Holy. So shit. yeah, that went on. It was crazy. Like I said, I, I, you know, I told a couple people here and there, but that story bothered me for the longest time, just because like oh that was my. Oh my god. I, you know, I worked for the team, but man, I cared. Like I was a. Well, yeah, a you're fan. invested. I, mean, I was invested. Like you know, I, it wasn't just my job. It meant a lot to me. So sure. I mean, here we are. You know, I, I worked there. I started in '96. So here it's like 11 years later. Finally, get to an AFC Championship game. These guys are going to film our quarterback who just had his knee scope six days ago. Like get out of here. Oh my Can't god. That. Yeah. That is insane. So yeah, that stuff happens. I can't believe that. That's, uh, I mean, that that's a war story that, I mean, you you don't know until you're there, right? Well, yeah, and it's and funny. You don't know and what I, and I love the do. Patriots because they didn't guys. teach you that. A... They didn't teach you that in school. No, no, not at all. And I love the Patriots guys are great. Actually, I know yeah. a lot of the guys that work there. They're great, but it's just it's so funny because every time something comes up and I hear the name Craft TV, you always hear Craft TV is always connected with the story. So I was like, wow. oh, man, I know those guys. That's so amazing. Never, I I swear to God, I'll never forget the guy. Tall guy with glasses. I mean, he just. 
nicest guy in the world, but I was like, I mean, he literally is walking down the hallway under the stadium with his camera, like at Phillips knee level. Like, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. That's crazy. So part of your job while you're working for the Chargers and working for the NFL, I've heard you say on another podcast that your job is to maximize exposure and minimize liability minimize and, and focus. Sure. Right. Yeah. Because the biggest thing that you, everyone has a job to do. You obviously want coverage and part of public relations is really you're, you're doing long-term branding for the company. Um, marketing, you're typically marketing for a campaign. You're marketing for a, a shorter period of time, but public relations is forever. Yeah. hundred percent. So everything that you're doing is relationships wise. Well, and you're trying to, you know, you said, you know, you're trying to, to mitigate or limit those disasters. You know, we mitigate saying, disasters. That's exactly what it is. And there's an old saying, like when you buy the, you know, when you buy your ink by the barrel, every once in a while you're going to get a. Excuse my language. I'll, you said it's, you, you you're, you're going to get a shitty barrel every once in a while. Barrel. So your idea, in a perfect world, you want to eliminate that that shitty barrel. So as much as you can continue to put out positive messages and control the message that's going out, it gives people that are covering the team, less reason to go look sure. for negative stories. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of getting to know the players and look for these good human interest stories because if you're constantly feeding stories that make it easier on them to come out, when I say them, the media, to come out and do their jobs, if you give them something to talk about, they're less likely to spend the time going digging through a guy's background to see if there's something that, you know, bad that happened or something he did wrong to talk sure. about. So that's, you know, that's where you can control that message. Well, I'd love to hear your opinion because we're very fortunate that we've become friends with a lot of local radio talent, people like uh, Dave Palais and Jeff Dotsaf. Sure. And they've talked about obviously covering the Chargers and going to uh, training camp and doing all these things. And one of the things that they've talked about on their podcast is they had specific conversations with Dean about why aren't they sending out more messaging and more public relations about all the good work that the Chargers did in the community. And it was always something that it was more, yes, we did the blood drive. Yes, we did certain things in the community, but it wasn't, it was never something that was celebrated as much as they felt it should be. What is your opinion about that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, being that I sat in that seat, I like to think that we did do a pretty good job pretty of good putting job. out information. And we, you know, we made sure that we pushed that, um, it's tough too with charity because well, charity you want to do charity for the right reasons, right? You're not sure. doing charity for the public relations. You're doing charity because it means something to the core of your mission. Hundred percent. And we look, we did a lot of great programs. We did programs with the schools um, for years. We, you know, diff various youth groups. Pop Warner. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the team still sponsors the high school all star game that, that yep. was here. So Spanos, I mean, we, I, you know, I do. You know, I don't know. I would probably take exception to that comment because I do think we did a good job. Yeah. Um, but again. That's a part of what you do. So you can't necessarily talk about that and promote that stuff 365 days a year. Now, if you want me to say where there was a failing, I wish we would have gotten more um, mileage out of maybe guys like Dean promoting actually mm -hmm. his own role and you know promoting what he was actually doing because he never wanted to be. Um, he wasn't a guy that wanted to be out front. Uh, he wasn't a Jerry Jones character. No, he wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you look back in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, I mean, I think that could be a contributing factor to why things are where they are right now. Because I think had people seen a little more of that, I mean, he did a lot of great things. They spent a lot of money, uh, you know, doing things in the community. But I think had people, you know, seen, he'd, had he been more out front, I think people might have been felt differently when it came, push came to shove and came time to make decisions on like stadiums and things like that. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I mean, it's, you know, that's water under the bridge at this so, point. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously the stadium issue has been exhausted by every media outlet yeah, there is. Yeah, that story. I think we, I think, I think we've, we've lived that ourselves. Um, what, at what point did you decide that working in the NFL and working for the Chargers was no longer going to be what your life passion was going to be? As soon as Dean walked into that room that day on whatever January fourth or third, whatever it was, and mm -hmm. said, we are now the Los Angeles Chargers. I knew that day I was done. Yeah. So, I mean, my wife's got a, you know, I, to be honest with you, my wife's got a good job down here. We have a, we got a house. I got a son who's now nine, spent, you know, more than half my adult life down here, built a network. And I just, when I was laying in bed at night, tossing and turn, am I going to go? Am I going to stay? The one thing that kept me up at night was where are we going to live? How much traffic am I going to have to sit in to get to and from work every day? And how much of my kid's life am I going to miss? going 
you know, as I'm, as I'm doing this. And oh, that, you've already missed significant because of the job that you're in. I did, but it wasn't my last year or two was when he got a little bit older and um, I used to do our travel coordinating. So okay. if we play a road trip, it, if the team was leaving Friday, I would fly out a day or two before and I would go out and set up all the logistics on the road for the team and be there when they arrived. So my wife and son used to take me to the airport and the last couple of years, my son would start to cry every time I'd go to the airport. And that's when it really kind of hit home. And it was like, I mean, it got harder and harder. And I loved what I did when I was younger and single. And you know, you're living kind of that rock star lifestyle. You're flying on charter planes. You're riding, <laughs> riding the, you know, you're riding the games on buses with police escorts. You got a credential everywhere you go. Um, you know, staying in nice hotels. You're kind of living that that rock star life. But um, there's another side to it. And I just, I pretty much knew that mm-hmm. as soon as he said that, I was staying. And um, you know, it changed a little bit. Um, there were a couple of things that happened that some conversation about potentially going, but basically I, I had made up my mind that day. You knew in your heart that yeah, it was, it was would, going. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, there, there are, uh, look, these jobs are hard to come by. There are, you know, there's probably three to four guys with per team. There's 32 teams. So there's 90 to hundred of these jobs. Guys don't walk away from NFL PR jobs. And I loved mm-hmm. what I did. I mean, it wasn't just a job. I mean, you know, there, you go back through my, Feed. I mean, I'm a guy that's standing in the goalpost and running out on the field after made field goals to win the game. I mean, I was notorious. You were, for, you were guys hard on your sleeve. Yeah, guys Guys didn't want to shake my hands after the game, yeah. after a win, because I'd come in, I'm high-fiving guys like crazy. Like, I cared. Like, I wanted yeah. us to win. I mean, it meant a lot to me. Uh, so it was hard to walk away. It's still hard. I mean, it's a couple of years later, and um, I don't miss the day-to-day grind because, um, I mean, things have, have turned out really well. I've um, been very fortunate could spend a ton of time with my family. I mean, I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband, just a, a better person overall for the experience. Uh, but I still miss it. It's hard this time of year watching the playoffs because football is a moment's business. Yes. You know, if you think about it, we work, you know, most people get, you know, work five days a week. So they work about 250, 260 days a year. When you're in the NFL, man, you probably work you're seven days a week during the season. You got stuff goes on in the offseason. You probably work 330 or so days a year. You think about it, you get just counting the regular season and the preseason, you get 20 games or three hours a piece. That's 60 hours of football. So if you think about it, you're working 330 days a year for two and a half days worth of football. Wow. So you better damn well love it if you're going to put that kind of commitment in. I've never heard it broken down like that. It, it is. Great, when you think about it, it's it crazy to think. But I, you know, what I enjoyed was I enjoyed the buildup. I like practice on Wednesdays and Thursdays. You know, Fridays when the network guys would come in, you'd get the gym dances and back in the days, you know, the Pat Summerall's and the John Madds, the Al Michaels. You know, I loved, I grew up idolizing those guys because I mm-hmm. wanted to be a play-by-play guy. So I'd sit in those rooms and listen to the production meetings. You know, you take the ride down to the visiting team's hotel to drop off credentials and flip cards, Saturday walkthrough, and then just that ride into the stadium on Sundays was, I mean, I, so I enjoyed all of it, the buildup. The games, to be honest, they came and went so fast, it wasn't so much the games themselves, but it was just everything else that was around it. But it is a, it's a moment's business, and you kind of, you know, it's that's why you see like rock stars go through so many, you know, um, you know, personal travail sure. because it's like you're trying to replicate that high, yeah. you know, constantly. Yeah, so. we had Nick Hardwick on the podcast and uh-huh. I mean, he, yeah. he went through his own crisis that sure. he's been very public about, you know, yeah. thankfully sharing, you know, his deepest, darkest moments. Yeah, you know, I mean, with, I went through a lot of it with him, you know, sure. I was there when he went through it and Nick's still a good friend of mine. And yeah, it is. It's hard. I mean, it is. Football, for whatever reason, unlike any other sport, is just so difficult to walk away from because of those. It's moments. It's the structure. Um, there's just so much that goes into it that there's nothing um, outside of there that can replicate. It. I mean, you can play baseball. You could go and you know play rec league softball. And mm-hmm. replicate it. If you play basketball. You can still go play at the Y. You know, get into a run. You can go up to UCLA and run at the at the Wooden Gym up there yeah. and get a, a run that's just as good as what you'll see at Staples Center. Uh, but football, there's nothing like that. Correct. So when you're done, it's um, it's a hard adjustment, and it's gotten better. I mean, I'm certainly better. Um, you know, I try to go paddleboarding on Sundays now, so I don't have to sit in front of the TV. There you go. Yeah, my yeah. wife. She's, Otherwise, you'd be yeah. there. You'd be there for three games. Exactly. Well, so three. The duration of three games. Pretty much the so entire Sunday. I uh, actually stopped playing fantasy football up until this year, until I got recruited back into play again. Oh, there but, you go. Um, so I get into it a little bit. It's still. I love the game still, but it just, it's hard because I, you know, I spent, you know, I was in it for, you know, well over 400 games. Yeah. So, so tell me about your new communications and PR firm and what you're doing to help your clients. Yeah. Why is it important that small businesses, mid-sized businesses understand 
public relations? Well, I think what I'm, what I'm helping, just to kind of dumb it down, is I help my clients with earned media. And when I say earned media, that's getting them on radio, that's television, newspaper stories, web stories told about them. There's been, as we kind of talked about off the top, there's such a um, transition now to everything is, so much stuff is done digitally. A lot of businesses have gotten in this mode where, okay, we're just going to advertise our business on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We're going to do banner ads. And at some point, people become tone deaf to those things. Yes. And you can't strictly rely on you know business. But I think a lot of people have kind of gotten used to thinking that that's the new way of doing business now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not. You still have to, you've got to have a balance of what you're doing. You've got to be able to offset that with with earned media, which is, like I said, radio, TV, and print, where you can have opportunities for somebody to go out and tell your story um, about what you're doing. And I like that earned media, and especially when it gets to the core of what you've talked about, which is relationships. Sure. It's one thing to get invited to go and do a news segment on KUSI and for us to go and promote our barbecue. It's another thing for us to go and build a relationship with Tommy Sablon, who's the producer and then build a relationship with the anchors and then know that we're going to feed all the camera crew and everyone else. Now we've built a deep relationship with our brand, what we do, and that's what you're doing for your clients. Sure. And it's that, an exponential value. hundred percent. And it's, and it's not just you going to KUSI. What about when they come to your place and Correct. right there and they do the story here? Now Correct. they're coming out and telling your story here. Correct. Uh, so those are those, that, that's what it's all about. It's creating those opportunities and um, a lot of it comes down to relationship building. I mean, I spend a lot of time sitting in front of a computer, just doing outreach, meeting with people, talking with people, uh, because you're, you're relying on those relationships to get these stories done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually in the process of going through a series now of going out and visiting with all the TV stations, um, just the folks there, just because I don't ever want to get stale. And I don't want to just strictly rely on me just being, oh, you know, the former Chargers PR guy. Like, you constantly have to get out, you know, go to lunch with people, have mm-hmm. coffee, stop by and visit with them. You know, make sure you're still talking to the right people because there's a lot of turnover and change. Uh, but it's all, you can't just sit behind a keyboard and do this. You actually have to get out and shake hands and talk to people. And, you're absolutely right. Because you, you got to have those relationships because when you're in a pinch and you need a favor, you got a client that you need to get a story for. It's a lot easier to do that when you know the person on the other end of the phone and, you know, you sure. pick up the call or call them on their cell phone and they answer on the first ring and say, hey, yeah, no problem. Whatever you need, I'll do that for you. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that gets into the heart of what we talk about every week on digital hospitality is that it's it's an ecosystem. Like literally the hospitality part is the in-person part and the in-person part is where all the magic happens. Sure. But you have to also have that digital part where you're actually still, we wouldn't be sitting here podcasting today if you hadn't reached out you know, on LinkedIn. Yeah. And those are those digital communications where you're literally top of mind. You know, there's a book by John Hall that we highly recommend, which is top of mind. And it's just, it's incredible in the day and age that we live in with the type of earned media that you can get and the type of relationships that you can build if you're paying attention. Sure. But people aren't just going to think of you just to think of you. No. Like you have to be doing the right things at the right time. You know, it's back to the timing. If you're not at the epicenter of where this stuff is happening, chances are that deal is going to go to somebody else. Yeah, right. you're right. And I had to, you know, I had to go out and reestablish a lot of these relationships myself because, um, you know, again, it was kind of built in at the chart. If we, if we had a press release, we signed a player, I just sent it out. I didn't have to worry about pitching it to anybody. I just knew my, that release yes. was going to be picked up. I don't have that luxury anymore. Um, and furthermore, some of the, we had, as we had gotten good, you know, we had a small, you know, you couldn't, we could never accommodate everybody. So it got to a point where we had to start telling some of the people that maybe cover some of the blogs and smaller outlets and publications. We started telling them, no, we didn't have a very good relationship when I was at the team. Like there were a couple of um, local publications that we basically, for one reason or another, they, you know, wasn't, when I say we, it was kind of a team thing, but stop granting them access. Mm-hmm. So when I got out, I had to go back out and, you know, reestablish these relationships with them and make sure that they understood this was not my, this wasn't Scott Yaffe's decision. This yeah. was, you know, you work for the team and you're a team guy. So, uh, but I, you know, fortunately this isn't wood, but knock on wood, I've been able to kind of reestablish those relationships. And for the uh, clients that I've got locally in town, I've gotten fantastic coverage for them. And 
um, I, you know, hopefully it continues because I, I love what I'm doing now. It's, um, it's a lot of fun and um, I value every, even coming and sitting here, I say I, I will never ever again take, not that I ever did before, but I value every word of coverage, every line, yes. every word in a story um, that's written or told about my clients because I understand now how hard it is to get that kind of coverage and it's, how lucky we were because we had it built in when I was with the in the NFL. Yeah, and that's something I appreciate you saying that because one of the things I didn't, I never knew anything about PR until we had run our restaurant for five years. And at five years, I felt like that was such a huge achievement for us, you know, in Spring Valley, in East County to like survive for five years. And I thought, oh, somebody's certainly going to cover it. Maybe the newspaper, maybe the rate. No one gives a shit. No, they don't. Once I realized that no one gave a shit, that the only person that gives a shit is me, the business owner. Yeah. Well, I better produce it myself. That's when I started being more proactive in building those relationships. And then sure enough, five years later at our 10 year anniversary, we didn't do any press release. We did nothing, but we literally shut the restaurant down for a night and we took all of our staff to a goals game. But because we had so many relationships, we sent out a tweet that was retweeted by all the media. So literally we got more media out of a tweet than we did out of anything we would have had to pay for. But that was a lesson that I learned that took five years yeah. to learn. Sure. You know, you didn't have Scott Yaffe communications I didn't, after that I didn't, five year mark. I didn't, we could have done that sooner. <laughs> we could we could we could have done that sooner. We're gonna work on that though. I, we're gonna I, make, we're gonna I, blow I, you guys up even bigger. No, I appreciate that. And that's you know, that's one of the things I think I had to get out of my own way as a small business owner, um, in knowing that I can't do everything myself, even though I think I can do everything myself. And once you start building a network of relationships of people that are highly skilled in what they do, like our gentleman here from Blue Vision, I let them do what they do. I let Stover, my producer in Portland, produce the podcast. Um, I let Kyle run our, our website so that we're creating mobile first content and the podcast is there, the blog is there, that the stuff gets published on YouTube. Once I get out of my own way, then I can start really driving the business is what every business owner's goal is. Well, it's like, it's like, it, you know, I hate to use this word, but it's almost like an addict. Like you can't get help until you realize you need something. Correct. And you realize, you know, realize like I got to put some people around me to, um, to help me get, get these things and grow because you're right. I mean, you've been fortunate, but not every business can do what you've done, you know, yes. sustain for five years and then grow. Um, you need help. You need people around you. And what I found is interesting and it's been, it's been good for me is I've, a lot of smaller companies, private companies, they tend to public relations for whatever reason is they don't, I don't know that it's they not top of mind. understand the value. Yeah. It's so a lot of, of times what they'll do is they'll hire like a director of marketing and the director of marketing is responsible for marketing, public relations, community mm -hmm. relations, social media, digital media. One person can't you do can't all do that. It. You so can't do it. So where I've been fortunate is there are some companies that, you know, realize, yeah, we've got to get some help and get some earned media um, and, and kind of steer some of the messaging. And that's, that's been, been good for me. And, um, and you know, hopefully it continues to, to well, I think, to I mean, I think these conversations are exactly the things that are going to help that because companies are starting to realize that having a company like Scott Yaffe communications and Cali barbecue media, not only are you getting earned media, but you're getting media that's going to be evergreen on your website sure. that you get to use for all your social media channels. And that's one of the things that's the most empowering for me that what we've learned how to do is not just get that earned media but learn how to capture it in a way that we can use it for all of the social media platforms, which is where everyone has to be anyways. Yeah, right? well, I told you, I was, you know, when we first started chatting, I mean, I was impressed because, I mean, you do, I mean, think how many years you've been out going doing events, you know, and now you're not only going out serving barbecue at an event, but now you're capturing that on video that you're not only sharing on your own channels, showing people, hey, we're out catering events and we're, we're doing big time things. But your clients can go show that now on their channel. So when they're going out and trying to, you know, pitch to sponsors and get other supporters for their, whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit business, they can take that video and be, hey, take a look here. So it's something we're doing. Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's the magic of what's happening, and that's what gets me the most excited about 2020 and beyond. Is that there's a high-level game, high-stakes game that's happening, and the people that start to partner up and start to do things are gonna do some really cool things for companies and yeah. allow them to really perpetuate their message. That's my general manager, Eric, coming in to get some work done. Oh, you're going home? He's, 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 he's going to the done. goals game. He's, he's got going to the goals game. Yeah, we don't we don't, we don't edit we don't edit the podcast. Yeah. This is real life. <laughs> real real life. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think 
exactly what's happening in 2020 and having these conversations is what's important. Well, if you think about it, the calendar just turned to 2020 and on New Year's, I was actually sitting with my nine-year-old and I was thinking, God, you know, I was born in 72, so I'll date myself. But, you know, when you go 72 to 90 to the 2000s, you ever, you remember when you would used to think, God, what's the world going to be like? Oh my gosh. In 2020. Yeah. I mean, think of all the. It things was so that, far away. I think I. St- I, I mean, in I was born. I was born in eighty two. Still get up and you know, or we had one of those remote controls. We used to click it to yeah. get the channel to change. Yeah. You know, I mean, but think about how much it's grown, and you know, in thirty years from now, I mean, hopefully, I'm still here. But you know, at that point, my son will be you know close to forty. What's the world going to be like for him? What's mm-hmm. the technology going to be like? And you know, it's crazy. My son you know? is two years and seven months old. He will watch limited YouTube of monster trucks, which he absolutely loves, but he already knows the skip feature for the content that's getting pushed to him. Oh yeah. So there's the advertisement from Google that's coming up sure. and he doesn't want it. So he, he goes, no, he doesn't want his content interrupted. So he already knows where the button is. I'm oh like, yeah. But that's the world that we live in. 100%. My, you know, my kid's nine and he can work an iPhone better than my wife. Sure. So, yeah, no, knows, I mean, absolutely. Navigates range, she, you know. He helps her with, with problems with the phone and the computer. I mean, he's... Speaking of the phone, the one thing I do want to ask you about is I know that you guys, the phone was very important in your training for players, right? Um, a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. About just talking that anybody has a, everybody has a phone? Oh, well, yeah, that part of it. Yeah, so we did, you know, I mean, you, what we used to tell people or tell the players especially was uh, when we were helping with our media training is just when you're out in public, just be careful because, you know, at the world changed when phones came out with cameras on them because now you could be out in a public place and somebody shoots a video of you and they can put it on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And now they're like a member of the media. Yep. So, I mean, every, we used to tell them everybody that's got a TMZ camera phone built their business on hundred percent their business. So on that's that. what we, you know, that was a, that was always part of the lesson, uh, you know, it, engagement and, um, you know, we will always wanted them to be engaged with the fans because that's how you build support and relationships. Uh, but you know, my always famous saying was when in doubt, don't tweet it out. So yeah. that was what, you know, cause when we, in doubt, don't tweet it yeah. out. Yeah, for and, sure. And I still live by that mantra too. I mean, there's times, trust me, I'm sitting there watching a game like, oh man, I want to tweet something right it's now. It's a loaded should, gun. Yeah. Bite your tongue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put your phone down, you know, correct. <laughs> Put your phone down, pick up the remote. Well, the internet's forever. Whether you delete it yeah, or not, it's there exactly. forever. Yeah. It lives, no, nothing goes away. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of a, a big lesson for them. And, and and that was more just for off the field because, you know, look, these are regular guys. You know, mm-hmm. we don't expect them to, you know, we knew they weren't just going home and sitting home and eating TV dinners at night. You know, we know they were going out and hanging out. But you just got to be careful of who you surround yourself with because you're a, a high value target and people are, you know, glam onto you and want to be around you when, when you're out. Whether And that's not necessarily even at a bar. It could be at a restaurant while you're out eating dinner. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that that's for everybody. I mean, I think how many videos go out now of just common people. You know, yeah. you'll see two people the fighting in the, on a. We, I just put out a video on Instagram stories of us of us getting ready for the podcast. I mean, it's yeah, that's the world we live in. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. everybody now technically everybody's like a member of the media. Yeah, uh, because it, it 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 is you know our society is so much social media driven. Yeah, Social media, our, digital media. Yeah, I mean, that's... Look at our president. He's, you know, he's managing the country on Twitter. Correct. I know, <laughs> correct. Our, he's fighting a war with Iran on the Twitter right yeah. now. I mean, it's unbelievable. It, it is crazy. And I mean, one of the things that I, I would love for you to give, give a business owner some sort... Where, where do you start when you're thinking about public relations? Like when you meet with a client, where do you, how do you do your assessment of what exactly their goals are for earned media? I think it's understanding what their message is and what their story is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like I've got a client that's, um, they're Vet TV. Um, mm-hmm. They're one of my newer clients. Um, they are the founder and CEO is a, fi- a retired Marine captain who was a wounded warrior. And they started a TV channel, um, a streaming video channel where they produce um, short segment TV shows. They just did a feature film, their first one. Uh, but everything they do is very dark and irreverent humor. And when I say dark and it's offensive, for a lot of people. And <laughs> to be honest with you, when they were talking to some PR agencies, there were some that didn't want to touch them. And when I sat down with them, the one thing that really kind of resonated with me is that the guy who uh, founded and started the company, um, he also started a foundation called Irreverent Warriors, which they go and they host these silkies hikes where guys walk around in silkies and they do these long hikes carrying rucksacks. And the idea of the Irreverent Warriors Foundation is that their mission is to prevent veteran suicide. 
So when you really dive into the deeper message of what these guys are doing, you realize, okay, that you understand a little bit. You understand better. the core of their So why. it helps to kind of understand the message of what their story is that they're trying to tell. So when I'm going out and pitching media outlets to, to do stories about them, you know, it makes it easier when you understand the story. Because you can't just, like if you're just serving barbecue, that's not a story. Mm-hmm. But when there's a story of now, like take you for example, like you not only have a restaurant, but you built this into a media business. Um, you have relationships with all the professional sports teams in town. You go out and you do events. There's a story there. Mm-hmm. Because, so that's, I think, really the first step is, is kind of learning about the client, what their story is and what the message is that they want to get out. And then that evolves over time as new things happen. You know, you may have, go through new hires. You may add a new, you know, right now you've got the podcast. You've got the, the video component that you do. You may add something new. Mm-hmm. And that becomes newsworthy too. So one of the things that it's one thing to get, so you pitch the no, the, the news outlets, right? Sure. And then you get somebody to say, yeah, this is great. We'd love to have your client come in. What do you do on the coaching front to get them ready for their actual on-air appearance? Fortunately, there's not a ton of coaching. I, this is It's different than the NFL because mm-hmm. um, they know what their story is and that their message is. Um, football is different because... Um, you know, this was football players, I guess, were kind of cut from a different mold because if you think about it, a baseball player wears a uniform with a hat on and he's you can see his face. It's like basically. an NBA he's, player. He's identifiable. Sure. A, a, a basketball player is the same way. A football player is clothed in this gigantic uniform. Most of the time he wears a helmet. So to be honest with you, of 53 guys on a football team, you might walk down the street. They all 53 might walk by you. You might only notice two of them think, oh, that guy's a football player. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a kind of getting them, the, for us with the players, it was getting them out of the helmet and getting them comfortable and talking and telling their stories. When you're working with a client now, like I don't necessarily have to coach them up so much uh, because they know their story. Or I'll prep them as just, you know, kind of, hey, these are some of the, if it's a TV interview, just these are some of kind of the, the questions to expect. Well, there's and, two parts of the prep because there's the client prep, but there's also the prep that you're trying to essentially negotiate with the producer, right? Sure. Because you're trying to shape the story. You're trying to shape the story how you want it. And the producer, they have their job. And then the on-air talent also has their job. Yeah. So a lot can happen from what you you send out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What you send out saying, hey, this is what we want to talk about to once they're actually live on TV and they have their two to five minutes to... Yeah. And that's generous. I, to in all minutes. honesty, a lot of the coverage nowadays tends to be uh, more written and online type yep. coverage. So it's, you know, I'm really more able to shape the the pitch, I think, in mm-hmm. the original email, kind of base that on that. And, and that even with TV, it's the same thing. I mean, I have a, you know, I go through and put a pretty comprehensive pitch together. Um, and, you know, and even in conversations leading up to it, you, you kind of steer toward, you know, what's the story and just making sure that they, you know, that they're telling the story right as you want to tell it. Because like with us, I mean, it could go one of two, with Vet TV, for example, it could go one of two ways because they can either understand the message and why you're producing the content you're doing, or they can look and be like, oh, well, this stuff is offensive and, you know, they could rip you for it. So we try to shape, for them specifically, we try to shape the story of all the good that they're doing and building a community among veterans and the stuff they're doing, the, the suicide, you know, the suicide prevention awareness and, and all that. And that's, you know, you kind of try to steer the story that way. And when you're working with clients, do you prefer to work with the owner or or their team, their board of directors, their marketing department, or are you really working in an ecosystem that's each client's unique? Yeah, it, really each client is kind of unique. And the, most of the companies I work for either, um, if they're small companies, I tend to work with, you know, they're three or four people who I typically work with mm-hmm. directly. Um, I've got a couple of national clients where I tend to work with one or two people who um, will they will have an internal department, but they use external agencies like mine to help them um, offset some of the media on the outside. So um, it really kind of varies company to company. But I, I'm a people person. I, I, as I've said, you know, before, this is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. So I'm not one to be like, oh, I don't want to work with that guy. Like I'll work with anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. It's not going to get any worse. You know, I dealt with 53 guys in a, you know, or 90 guys in a locker room during training camp. It's not going to get any <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? Cutting down from 90 to 53, that's, uh, if, you, if you want to know how that goes, watch Hard Knocks. Exactly. You, you can see the people's hopes and dreams get crushed on, uh, on, I mean, on real TV. You haven't lived until you've had to walk up to a 300-pound offensive lineman buck naked and tell him <laughs> that, that, that Jenny from Channel 8 outside wants to talk to her on Yeah, camera, right? You know, like, <laughs> let me get some clothes on. I'll get right back to you on that one. For sure. Any, you know, you've seen it in the locker room. I mean, well, you don't see it on TV, but games are terrible because if you get a star player, a guy that has a big game, 
guy gets out of the shower, he just wants to get dressed. Well, he's getting dressed, and you've got a horseshoe of 20 media people standing. I used to happen like the LT all the time. Oh, yeah. And Gates, because Gates was always one of the last guys to come out. I'd feel terrible. This guy played a game, just got out of the shower. Like, he ain't leaving. Let him get dressed and then come on over. But so I'd, I'd you know, I would say, hey, all right, guys, get, take a step or two back. Let the guy get dressed. And they take a half step back. Like, come on. Let the were, guy there, were there certain numbers of credentials that were allowed for the NFL or for Chargers no, internally? It was it just really a limit. It was I mean, your own. Yeah. I mean, our own discretion, basically. Because there's no limit at the Super Bowl, right? No. Well, there is. I mean, they don't there, credential there has to be everybody. But yeah, there, there's some rhyme or reason mm-hmm. when it comes to it. But I mean, th- th- those scrums are. You know, and, and I get it because when you've got the TVs and you've got four or five cameras there, they all want to get the best, you know, shot angle and they don't want to give up their space. But it's just, it's, um, I could never do that. Like I'd, I'd run and hide, man. Maybe I'm too self-conscious of just, you know, having to get dressed in front of 15 people like that. But it was, it was a weird deal. Did you have any mentors that taught you what was, what, what was the right thing to do and not the right thing to do? Um, not really any mentors. You just kind of learn as you go. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked for Bill Johnston. You know, he was like my dad. You know, oh, still yeah. Still is like a father. I mean, I spent time with, I, yeah, I worked for him for 21 years. So I mean, I spent more time with him than I did in my own house growing up. So I learned a lot from him just about kind of the demeanor of how to handle people and mm-hmm. kind of how to mitigate controversial situations. Cause we had them. It's, it's a lot. Di- what I do now is way different than, um, but I mean, you, in football, you're in a competitive environment. It's very emotional. You know, guys are playing for their jobs and their livelihoods every week. I mean, the, the one thing with football is you know, baseball, basketball, even hockey, all these contracts are guaranteed. But in football, you know, these guys sign contracts. They get paid every month, every Monday or Tuesday, whatever the day was. But you only get the season 17 weeks. So if you got a million dollar contract, that contract is broken up into 17 weeks. So in a lot of cases, if you're a younger guy that doesn't have a guaranteed, you know, you haven't reached a level where you're guaranteed. You only get one seventeenth of that money every week. So if you get cut after week four, if you have a bad game, you know you're cut. Well, you don't see the re- that rest of that money just kind of disappears into thin air. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's a volatile, it's a hostile environment. It's competitive. I mean, you have got you know fifty three guys, and you know you're one injury away from you know a guy being replaced. Or you hear the famous stories of you know multiple guys. You know even Nick used to you talk about Harvick. He used to tell the story. It's like you know the minute they drafted me, there was a whole staff of like fifteen scouts trying to find the next one of me, and that's yeah. How, and that's how he felt. Yeah, that's how right. it was. I mean, and, and all, it's not just football, but all sports are like that. And so um, it's it's emotionally charged and whatnot. But um, so you try to mitigate that best you can. Do you have any tips or hacks for somebody that you would advise a client? Anything that you tell them to do when they when they sign up with your services that you think is something that's valuable? I mean, one one thing that I tell lots of business owners that I'm surprised they don't do is sign up for Google Alerts for at least their brand, at least their competition, at least their industry, so that literally you know what, I mean, Google's gonna tell you what's being published on the internet about your name, your business, or your brand, or your competitor. Um, Then you can start to say, well, why are they in the news all the time, and why aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, I think my kind of message are, I just, what I wanna make sure with my clients is that they're going to be accessible and available because mm-hmm. you never know when you're going to get a story opportunity. Yes. So I think that's important to make sure that they're going to be accessible and reachable. Um, you know, the other one too that I uh, that I got and, and I'll use the guys at Bet TV again because they're a good example of it is they got it's uh, there's controversy to what they do. I just wanted to make sure that that they'd be willing to stand up and answer the tough questions, and mm-hmm. they've been great about that. And that's something that I really enjoy because that was. You know, coming from football, we didn't always have guys that wanted to answer the tough questions. Yes. You know, it was easier just if guys coming off a bad it's game to, and they wanted to put him, it's easier to say, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to talk to the media today. And we dealt with a lot of that. You know, a guy drops a pass or whatever, has a bad game, has a bad day, doesn't want to talk to the media. Um, you know, you, you got to own up to it. I mean, that's why I respect when you'll see a guy that, you know, when you watch some of these games or you see a, a kicker that missed three field goals mm-hmm. in a game. But still, he's going to man up and go talk to the press after the game. I mean, even the guy in Cleveland that, um, you know, I, admittedly, I didn't. What was the guy's name that um, in the Pittsburgh game when he um, kicked oh. uh, uh, the quarterback yeah, he, Randolph? He could. But Red, I, I didn't uh, care yeah, for his messaging mm-hmm. from what he said afterwards. But at least he, he made at least up he said something. He, he talked. Yeah, Correct. and I think there's something to be said for that. So. Uh, but I think nowadays the clients I work with, they understand the value to me that they have to talk. I mean, that's their, you know, I'm not there. There's no reason to have me if they're not going to, you know, be willing to tell their story. Do you believe that the only bad press is no press? Do you believe in P.T. Barnum's 
No, I don't principles think or uh, do I don't, you think there it, is it there, just, you, having lived in bad press do you think that there is bad press There's no such thing as bad press because you know anytime press look you, like I said it's that old saying you're never you know when you buy your ink by the barrel but look I always tell my clients look when you're getting a story written about you that means your competition's not being written about so yes. look at it that way and 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 I tell them you have a chance to control the message so when you're out there talking you you don't control the question there's this you know you we tell them, or I tell them you don't control the question but you control the answer. So if yes. you think about that, you don't necessarily have to answer. You know, they can ask the question, good, but you can great, answer it however you want. Tip. I mean, it's a great. It really is. That's it's a an, great I tell tip. guys all the time because I, you know, I've I've learned. You know, we dealt with this with the players, but even I use this now. And that is a great, my life great it is. tip. Yeah, you'll remember that one. No, you know? for sure. Because um, that, because that's the honest truth. Sure. Because you can't stop them from asking a bad question if there's a bad question, but you can certainly spin the answer however you want. That's correct. So. Yeah, and I that'll think be my le- that'll be my lesson to you for the you learn something new every day. Hey, I mean that that's one of the reasons why we love podcasts is it allows our listeners, other business owners, people that are listening to the show, it gives you a seat at the table that hopefully uh, allows them to implement the things that we're talking about and save themselves some headache down the line. Yeah, sure. And that that's not just media; that's in anything. You know, you can mm-hmm. get a client that you know, you get a customer that you know ask you a question, they're not happy with them. You don't control the question, but you could certainly control what the answer. We can we. Every one-star review that's ever been written on Yelp about us, I control what we say yeah. in response to that review. Uh, absolutely. And whether somebody reads just the angry review or they read my response, at least I'll have a response that I'm comfortable with because that's my voice. Well, and what's great is like you just said, you, you'll respond. And that's yes. The, the, you've got to be willing. And it's like we were just talking about. you got to be willing to answer the tough questions. So I, I'd work with a guy like you because you're willing to answer the tough questions. <laughs> Answering the tough <laughs> questions. Well, that's when you when you fight for press and you fight for media as much as we have to keep our doors open and to be in business, we realize how great of an opportunity we have now that I can send a tweet, I can publish a podcast, I can write a blog, I can do all these things in my own voice. Plus... I can leverage the relationships and work with someone like you to get amplify that message, you know, really amplify that message in a way that allows us to reach people all over the globe. If you have if you have the access to the Internet, you have access to niche information about your business, about your brand, about what you care about. It's limitless now. It's, it's wild when you think about it. I mean, it's it's shrunk the world so much from you know, what, whatever it's, existed. Before. I mean, my, my grandfather was born in a village in Portum, Bulgaria, where he was literally built to be a farmer. He, the only reason he was able to elevate himself was because his grandfather taught him how to read. And that love of reading allowed him to read every single book in that village where he had to get to another village so that he could get access to more books. Now, if he was still living there, he was a Belkin router away from being able to watch this podcast. Correct. <laughs> That is the magic. And my wife is Bulgarian. She Skypes with her family for free every day. But a kid in the same village could have access to a Harvard education just by living in that same village. And that's the thing that's exciting. Um, We're very honored that you came and spent time with us today. How can people find you? Uh, Mostly, uh, I actually don't. This is terrible. I don't have a website, so I use my social media. Well, we're going to get you dialed in. We're going to get you dialed. We got a guy. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Scott Yaffe Communications. It's uh, and it's for it's wide. Y O double F like Frank, E like elephant. So Scott Yaffe Communications. Perfect. Well, we're going to put everything we talked about today in the show notes. Uh, Stover does a great job of doing that. We're going to get Kyle Fluger to help you get that website launched, um, mobile first website. But yeah, we're grateful that everyone that listens to the podcast, please check out. We're going to do a behind the scenes video of Scott in action with his client. Um, that's yet to be determined, but it'll be on our YouTube page. So subscribe to that. Thank you guys for listening to the show, and thank you uh, for spending time with us. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it. It's a great opportunity to come out and talk about what I'm doing, and uh, I'm glad we, uh, we kept the relationship going, and I'm, I'm glad I'm still here. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, till, wait till you see the big things that we're, we're both able to accomplish together. Love it. All right.